This episode is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped have kindly agreed to continue sponsoring the podcast from the 1st of February to the 28th of February. Between these dates, you can use our promo code GTM to receive 20% off all products and free worldwide shipping. If you've not heard of Manscaped before, they're now the leading company in male grooming. Their products range from face razors to nose trimmers and their famous lawnmower 3.0, which is a product specifically designed for in and around your never regions, so you no longer have to worry about snagging the bag. As a listener of Go In The Match, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code GTM. Head over to www.manscaped.com to have a look at all their range of products to grab yourself an absolute bargain. Welcome back to the Going to Match podcast. Today I'm joined by Martin Ramsey of Heart and Hand podcast, a dedicated Rangers podcast. Martin is a massive Rangers fan and also the author of the 50 Greatest Rangers Games. Martin, thanks for giving me time today, mate, and coming on the podcast. My pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me on. Uh, great concept for a podcast especially when none of us can go to the games and it's just probably a, uh, an ideal uh, opportunity to just reflect on on why it's special um, and we'll appreciate it when we're, we're eventually allowed back. That's it. So I want you to take us back to your childhood and following Rangers. Where were you born and how did your love for Rangers Football Club begin? Uh, I was born in Ayrshire which is uh, probably about 40 miles from Glasgow and then moved quite quickly up near the city, just out in suburbia, where I've pretty much been ever since, um, just about 10, 15 miles from, from the city centre. And like most people, I imagine, uh, they're introduced to the football club by a, a, a relative and probably most commonly uh, a father, and that, that, that was no different um, for me. Um, he had been a Rangers fan all these, all these days, and, and my, my grandfather as well, so it was very much uh, a, a handover, uh, and you were acutely aware early on that this wasn't you, you weren't just been offered something to spend a Saturday afternoon with this was this was something deeper than that and it was yeah. um, something bigger than that um, so I was born in what, 1980 um, and my first my first memory of Rangers was the arrival of of Sunnis in, in, in 86 my first game was one of uh, early on in that that first Sunday season, it was, it was five years old. We'll, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, but what that meant was I would be nearly an adult, be 17 and a half years old, before I knew what it felt like to finish a season without winning a trophy. So that's an entire childhood and adolescence and growing up um, with a lot of a lot of joy and sharing that with my dad. Um, it wasn't all plain sailing, a lot of disappointments there as well, especially in, in, in Europe. But having that thing, having that bond, being sat beside each other uh, at Ibrox and um, all over Scotland and in, in Europe and, and, and wherever else, sharing those ups and downs, sharing those moments of extreme joy and injustice and justice. And it's learning life, isn't it? Um, but to share that with, with your old man, I think it's pretty special, especially in the west of Scotland, where west of Scotland males perhaps don't are, are, are unable to communicate with each other, let, let, let's say, uh, in, in the most open way. Um, and there's a bit of adolescent awkwardness as well. But you still had the Rangers, even though you would clash on, on certain other things as you grew up, you could still have that, that point of contact, that point of discussion. And that's, I know not everyone has that. We're all introduced to the game in, in different ways and our, our stories are all special to us. Uh, but I am so grateful that... Um, I was taken along in the first place, but just able to share uh, share all those experiences with um, with him. 
Have you got any sort of memories when you were going as a kid, going to Ibrox for the first time? And who would your sort of heroes been growing up watching Rangers then? Well, I do remember my first game very vividly. I was only five years old um, and I'd been badgering my dad because I knew where he went on a on a Saturday. Um, he had his reservations. Mainly, I'd just be bored, do they? You know, the attention yeah, yeah. span at five years old for that. And he was right. Uh, I, I think I probably did say after 10 minutes, is, you know, is that not it done now? Um, but it was it was a, a grey afternoon, a September weekend in Scotland. Um, we beat Aberdeen. Um, 2-0. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was still at Aberdeen just. I think he would leave for Manchester United uh, a month later. So, and we, we won 2-0. Graham Soon has scored. And I guess symbolically, looking back at that game, it was quite an appropriate moment. This kind of uh, handing the baton over um, from, from for Ferguson disappearing down south. Uh, and, and now there was a very much uh, a new power or an old power that was just uh, resurgent. Um and, and that was my team. So instantly, his his image was was, was clearly a favourite. Uh, many favourites, uh, Mike, but but McCoyst, I guess, is who you you wanted to be in the playground because he he just always scored and very infectious personality. Um, you just you, you wanted to have that that life with its ups and downs and scrapes because he was. You know, he, he was just golden balls before that that nickname was was given to to, to someone else. He was um, he would absolutely have been the, the the playground hero. So we're then going obviously growing up for your teenage years, would going to Ibrox every other Saturday would that become like a re- routine thing for you then? Yeah, but I think between five and eleven we would go sporadically um, whenever we could get tickets because with the soonest revival, so did the interest in in in, in, in attendances because Ibrox had been. Uh, quite sparse, I think, and for about uh, six, seven years prior to that, a lot of people had become disaffected with it, the club and, and the, certainly the state of the football. Um, now there was a big resurgence, so getting tickets wasn't completely automatic. But we, we, we my, my dad would pick the games, and there'd be some aways in there as well, and a, a couple of cup finals. Uh, but then when I was eleven, finally the the, the season ticket arrived uh, for both of us, um, and that season was ninety two, ninety three. Uh, Rangers won a treble. We were minutes away, I guess, uh, very close to to being in that that first ever Champions League final. Um, and so this was a whole new experience going to Ibrox every single um, home game, uh, but also getting tickets for for just about every game that you you wanted. I had my first European trip uh, that that year as well to to Bruges, um, obviously in Belgium, in the Champions League. My first year at high school, I think that would have been. So you just felt almost like kind of coming coming of age. You were just going away, and you were sometimes on a supporters bus, which was which was new, and you were obviously exposed to uh, a different type of humour and and, and language and, and and whatever else. You just felt you'd, you'd already grown up, even though I was only eleven, twelve. Um, so getting introduced to that side of things um, was was new, and it was just exciting. Right? It was just. Um, it, I felt, I think I, I appreciated it enough. I, don't, I could have appreciated it. Well, you more appreciation as you, you get older. But I knew that this was this was good, and it was, was something really to, to to be part of. <laughs> you're a you're a fan of a big club. You you'll know that that some home games are a bit standard, and you, yeah. you there's a lot of expectation. And there's a especially as you you grow up, and especially growing up in the time I did. Um, 
you get to five and six, seven titles in a row, especially six and seven, where they were quite flat years for Rangers. We were not at our best, but we didn't have to be. We'd still win the league because the rest of Celtic were still a shambles. Aberdeen had disappeared. It really was pretty much a walkover. So some of those games could be quite flat and a bit of sit back and, you know, entertain me um, because you, you get to expect that. So not every week is that adrenaline-soaked kind of um, experience. But, uh, yeah, as a, as a kid growing up, it was... And then you get your loud up and then Gascoigne, who would be my teenage hero, I guess, that um, someone who just... <laughs> it's such a cliche, but it, it, it was true that when he... He picked the ball up. The, the, you could feel the stands just moving kind of forward because of what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, uh, and you know he, he scored a hat trick to win that 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 eighth league title in a row. Um, the second goal, it was if twenty one other players didn't matter. They, they they weren't touching him. They weren't getting anywhere near him. They weren't taking the ball off him. And this team game was just reduced to this this individual. Um, and he had these problems, and he he was hated by just about everyone else in the country. Well, that that kind of happens for Rangers players, I guess. So he became even more a a, a, a hero to, to me as a 14, 15 year old. Um, but you, you identify to that. He, he's just a boy playing football on the street. He's just doing it in front of 50,000 people. I think I'm really interested in like expanding on when you were going on those European aways when you were still at school. Did you kind of think then that? You know, this is what I want to do, follow Rangers around Europe. And obviously you were so young then. Was it like, you know, being surrounded by men, the culture, the fan culture, and hearing them all talk about the footy and, you know, being on being on the booze and, you know, talking about the team and everything and stories that they all have gone to matches. And did you kind of just get hooked with that then? Because I kind of think when I started doing aways, like I was hooked by then. And uh, I imagine at such a young age, you were probably like in awe of those sort of, those fans going with you. Yeah, the, my, my first trip in Belgium um, was obviously a, a midweek game, it was a Wednesday night, so I had a day off school. Out, uh, how I get the day off school, how my mother allowed that to happen, <laughs> I'm still not entirely sure. Uh, but it was a, a fly out in the morning, fly back straight after the game, um, and it did feel like you were you were growing up. And I'd go back into school the next day and couldn't wait to just, you know, regale um, very jealous friends with 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 these these stories and um and yeah you, you know listen liverpool's european lineage is um uh, is pretty special um but i'm sure you'll have the same kind of experience that bruges for example this beautiful gothic um city it's now become quite in, in, in vogue for whenever we could uh, go for for kind of city breaks with with loved ones or whatever it's a, a beautiful place just swamped by red, white, and blue. Swamped by thousands and thousands of of, of supporters, um, and I think then it was it, it, it. You're just acutely aware this isn't another club. Yeah, um, there are only a few that that, that do this in the, this these kind of numbers. Um, a few years later, um, in Munich, um, uh, playing by Munich, um, I think we only needed a draw. Uh, to, to, to qualify from the, the group stage of the Champions League and we we just fell short. We beat 1-0, um, hit the woodwork three or four times. Um, one of those kind of great Scottish glorious failures. But uh, for anyone who, who remembers the old uh, Olympic uh, Stadium in Munich um, before the, the Allianz was, was, was built, it's a bowl and you come in very much from the back and 
we weren't late, but we it wasn't um, that close to, to uh, that far from kickoff. Sorry, and just coming in from the top and thirteen thousand. Rangers supporters in Munich that night with all the flags. You remember that that Olympic Stadium, huge track, right? So the pitch is, is miles away and it's just covered by these these flags. And it's there aren't many. Maybe it's a British thing, um, but there, there, there just aren't many clubs that that that, that do that. Um, uh, Barcelona, I'm sure there were, were twenty thousand for a a group game. Mm. Um, bit of a pilgrimage because it's the first time we'd, we'd been to Barcelona. I think since. Rangers had won the, the Cup Winners' Cup there 30 odd years before. Um, and then obviously we, we, we know the UEFA Cup final. And we, we, but that, I mean, that was no surprise. Um, I, I think we, we got to maybe the, the last 16. And I was saying to my, my flatmate at the time, who I sit beside now, um, if this happens, it's, the entire, or half the country, is just going to disappear. I mean, it's a kind of case where you could leave your work at early, I mean, two o'clock or whatever, and, and, and be there for the game. I hope they're prepared for this. I hope they're smart about it, um, which, of course, they weren't, um, and, and, and whatever else ensued. But those kind of numbers struck me, Mike, as being something that, that this just isn't... Not everybody has this, and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be part of that, mostly. What does a, a standard match day look like for yourself? Obviously, before COVID's happened now, you know, I've never been lucky enough to do Ibrox and, you know, do Rangers away. It's always something I've always really wanted to do. So for someone that hasn't been or an away fan coming, what can they sort of expect in and around the ground? Um, well, for me now, I mean, I'm, I'm 40 now, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting getting too old for the... We, we have it now and again, the, the whole day sessions, and we'll, we, we'll meet <laughs> at uh, 11. And um, uh, you can, if, if that was what you wanted to do, very, very easy. Um, Ibrox is very close to a, a huge road called Paisley Road West, which... Connects traditionally connected Glasgow to Paisley, the kind of a bigger town just outside, um, and loads of Rangers pubs, loads of Rangers pubs um, on 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 that particular road. So if you did fancy um, a whole day of it, um, that would be your your your, your starting place, uh, and it would be your 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 final resting place as well. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> it, again, you, you'll know this. It's it's dependent very much on on the game. Um, if it's just your your average Saturday league game, Sunday league game, whenever um, there'll be a lot there. I mean, it will be packed. There'll be there'll be fifty thousand there. Um, it will have its moments. There is a a section like most clubs have now of of um, dedicated um, supporters really trying to to drum up that atmosphere. I get that. Yeah. I'm always a little unsure if it's, it's maybe a wee bit contrived um atmosphere for me is dependent on the sport it's dependent on the contest what's at stake here do we yeah. expect a three points yes well you know we'll turn up we'll cheer the team on but it, it doesn't have that electricity it doesn't have that free on whereas if something's in the balance if it's an old firm game for example obviously or if it's a, a, a european night um you know yourself that there's something completely different Absolutely. about that there's just an, an electricity around around the ground you, yeah, I am getting old, so I would pick up my my, my cousin, um, who we, we we have season tickets next to each other. We'll drive, we'll park, a 10, 15 minute walk, and it's the, the walk I, I quite enjoy. Actually, it's coming from the opposite direction, but it, it you you just walk towards the main stand. Now, our main stand is, I think, 
one of the wonders of the, the, the football world. It's absolutely stunning. Um, it's an Archibald Leach creation who's his stamp on, on football architecture is well, well known. Um, and it's just, it stood the, the test of time. Ibrooks, for obvious reasons, um, was one of the first to, to fully develop into that, that, that all-seater um, um, kind of stadium. Um, and part of that does have a bit of an 80s feel to it because that's, that's when it happened. Um, but the main stand still stands kind of proud and, and yeah. um, uh, you take it for granted sometimes, but it does hit you, you now, especially if it's a sunny day, that this is beautiful. And all of this came out of four boys and Kelvin Grove Park saying, why don't we have a football team? You know, it's ridiculous to to to, to think of how, how all of our clubs have, have, have or most of uh, these clubs have, have very humble origins, and then they they, they just develop and and snowball into something um, a lot bigger. But uh, yeah, if you were doing the trip, I, I would I would suggest um, if you could possibly get tickets for a European night. You you know that um, there, there's just something different, especially now. Uh, after our absence from that arena, I think we appreciate that a lot more. Uh, the manager, uh, although we seem to finally crack domestic um, competition, the, the European thing was was pretty quick. Um, we, we we took to that uh, very well under Gerard. So um, we've had a lot of of, of experience over the, the past few years, but we we appreciate it, um, and we, we we have done. Um, and most of the games are on an edge because you know that's that's the, the kind of picture of Europa League really and where Scottish clubs currently are. So there's, there's something in the sport, something in the contest, and you know Feyenoord and, and Porto and Benfica and decent clubs have, have, have come to Ibrox and, and left with very little. Um, so I, w- I would suggest that those those nights would be um, something that would uh, impress the neutral at a regular Saturday. I'm not so sure if it if it'd be that that different. It's a lovely big old stadium. Uh, it, there's a lot of history there, um, but yeah, there's, there's there's plenty to enjoy if that's your your thing. <laughs> so now that you've done your fair share of away days over the years as well, have you got any sort of particular grounds that you've enjoyed going to and experiencing? In terms of atmosphere, uh, Tyne Castle has actually been hearts aren't in the, the 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 top flight at the moment, but. Um, quite small, quite compact, quite steep, um, very close to the pitch, and the, the, there's always something brewing there. So it's, it's, it's an incredible atmosphere. Listen, going to Parkhead and winning, there's there's no real, um, there's nothing much better than that in in, in Scotland, um, especially as time has gone on and the allocations have reduced. Uh, I mean, I remember going when certainly before Parkhead was was redeveloped and it was, again, as a kid who, who'd only experienced Ibrooks and Ibrooks being light years ahead of pretty much anything in Britain at the time in terms of stadium development, especially at something that size, it was like going back 50 years. I mean, this was this was a, literally a toilet, but you had 25,000 people, Rangers supporters there. At, at, it was just a huge terrace. And so um, that had a certain edge that it's been reduced and reduced um, as time went on. But when you do win there, um, I mean that makes a that makes a fair old noise. It's quite um, quite high, um, and and yeah, that, that, that's a kind of special one. Petodre as well, um, because the, the Rangers Aberdeen rivalry when I was growing up was probably bigger. Or certainly, a few seasons would be bigger than the old firm, um, and going up there and 
a place that Rangers had not had a lot of success prior to to my consciousness of of, of football. Going up there and winning, you you would be you'd be pelted by coins. I mean, it was there was a, always a, an, a undertone of violence going on um, there, but to, to to come away with these, what the opposite's true. Losing at Parkhead is just the worst. Um, but you you know that going in. Uh, in terms of just stadiums, uh, the Mestalla at Valencia was yeah blown away by. Um, uh, they they know how to to deal with away support, certainly noisy away supports, which just put them in the clouds and be as far away from anything as possible. Um, but what a noise that 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 generated. Um, uh, Villarreal had a, a, a certain feel to it as well. Again, very very steep and. We get a, a decent result that night, and uh, so maybe that's that's coloured that 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 experience. Uh, Parma enjoyed quite uh, felt quite British in its in its size, but um, there are very few that I would say are I don't know what you would call soulless now. Hamden weirdly is uh, traditionally you know years gone by you know the Hamden Road and all that um, was 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 legendary. They clearly had to redevelop that, and they they made a terrible job of it. You feel miles away yeah. and if it's an old firm cup final for example or an old firm match at, at Hamden you can see there's something happening at the, the Celtic end they're jumping about you you can't hear it really there's, there's a real acoustic problem there no, um, that, that doesn't really lend itself to a, a, a brilliant atmosphere so, so maybe that's one that that, that that doesn't really do what you feel it should do in the tin so I think most people are aware that you know in 2012 the football club are obviously officially entered uh, the administration. That obviously resulted in the club going down the leagues. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that time and that period and how tough that really was as a fan. It's trauma. That's what it is. It's trauma. And I think the Rangers support kind of reacted the way that people do to trauma. There's a bit bit of denial. Um, There was a hashtag in that first season. We were in the third division, fourth tier of Scottish football um, on Twitter. Uh, this is fun. And there's a lot of thousands of punters went back. You know, you get 40,000 at a, a, a fourth tier game. Um, for a variety of reasons. Um, obviously wanted to, to show the club's support and uh, kind of darkest hour kind of thing. Um, but there was a lot of uh, kind of belligerence and we'll show you uh, kind of about it. But this, this hashtag, this is fun. Um, it, it, it wasn't. It was as far from fun as I could possibly imagine and, and you know, going to grounds um, where the ball could get stuck in a hedge. Um, that's all fun and good in the early rounds of the Scottish Cup, for example, because that's what domestic cup competitions are there for. That's what we call the romance of the cup. But um, that is part of your bread and butter, uh, isn't And it, it really, it was traumatic, but it, it has led to an appreciation of, of what, what you have, especially someone my age, as I, as I said, that, that grew up, there'll be even Loudrop and Gascoigne, right? This is brilliant, but there'll be there'll be more, and there'll be better players. You know, Rangers were when for a large part of my my childhood were the biggest club in Britain. They were bigger than United and Liverpool because of understandable reasons of where English football was, and then that changed and overtook us, and 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 we created the Champions League. It was it was the idea of our club secretary and we I just assumed that we would be part of that yeah. um, club. And then it obviously 
um, engulfed us and swallowed us up and soon became minnows. Um, so a lot of expectation I grew up with that there would be something next time. Yeah. Um, and just appreciating that a lot of what I took for granted um, shouldn't have been. And when we do get back, that we're going to savour it. And there is no guarantee as much as these institutions are, are much beloved or less so, but they're, they're there, that they'll always be there. And there's no guarantee that your club will always be there just because it has over 100 years of uh, incredible history or, or, or whatever. And that's really, I guess, what we, 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 we took out of it. But um, yeah, I know my, my, my friends... They went on a bit of a, a kind of world tour of Scotland, I guess, and they ticked off uh, grounds that they had uh, never dreamed of, of 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 going. So I think there's there's only one professional ground that my my friend hasn't been to in in, in Scotland because it was too too small. Um, the, the, the Rangers game got moved, so um, there's a bit of gallows humour about it, of course. And and but uh, yeah, it was it was far from easy even when we got back, actually, because that, that was the thing about being away for, for four years. Okay, we might draw Celtic in the cup and it only happened twice. We lost one, it was only 2-0. Fears of serious cricket scores going into that because we were not in a good place. And the other cup game, we won on penalties and it was an incredible afternoon whilst being in the, the, the lower leagues. But unless you drew these clubs that you were um, historically rivals with, that, that's the only time you had to really kind of worry. You, you weren't in the same division as them, so therefore you weren't pegged week by week to, to what they did. So really the trauma, <laughs> in a way, only really started once we, we came back up because now, well, your stock's pegged to Celtics every single week and they are miles away structurally um, in, in terms of the, the finances that they have, in terms of the players that are already there, the winning mentality that's already there. Um, so in a way, our return to the, the top flight a new problem so it's been it's been a horrible decade but like everything else um you just appreciate what you you, you once had and as we speak uh in mid-feb um 2021 we are certainly going to appreciate which is hopefully just around the corner so obviously touching on better times now obviously massive red myself and obviously i always keep an eye on how stevie g's doing it rangers and Obviously, I made up for him how you know well it's gone, and obviously there's potential that you know he could be our manager in the future. I think that's obviously it's well publicised. That's his dream, but you know I don't think it's any secret that you know he might have to go away and get um, some more some more experience elsewhere after after Rangers, maybe if he wanted to manage us. But in your own words, as as a Rangers fan, um, having Gerard at the helm for a couple of years now, what would you say is like his biggest strength as a manager or maybe something that surprised you that you wouldn't have expected when he came in? I remember the day that it was announced in our podcast, we, we had a reaction pod. So everyone involved was was asked for their, their thoughts on it. Um, and I, I had hopes and fears. And my one hope has been, I think, uh, realised. Um, some clubs just need a coach mm. and that's fine. My club, your club, need coaches and the staff but they need a boss yeah and it's almost like being prime minister it's it's bigger than what what can be done in the, the training ground and, and and what's said before a particular game we're talking about institutions here and plenty have been in that job and it's just been far too big for them but i because you talk about a mega star of football um i was always confident that 
he, he could fill the blazer to put it like that, that he's just a big enough personality to do that. And, and he has. Yeah. My big concern, um, and it's a concern about any superstar football that, that turns to manager, that that success rate isn't particularly great because they cannot understand why mere mortals can't do the things that, that they could, either in terms of natural ability, or they can't understand why people with talent are not pushing themselves to the, the, the levels that they did, uh, don't have the hunger yeah. that, that they did. So they fall out. They, it just doesn't work. They can't get in the heads of uh, of, of players of that, that level. And it, how many disasters have you seen where just, these incredible players just can't, can't do this job? It's a completely different skill set. So I was worried about that. And there have been moments. Um, we're talking about his third season here. Uh, and certainly domestically, and let, let's not forget, we've got seven domestic trophies that have passed them by since being here. We are well on course to finally doing it and the one that we want, obviously, is the league. Um, but he's he's had to learn, uh, and especially his post-match interviews, which were always a bit of a concern to me. He still seemed like the Liverpool captain, as if the sweat was still pouring off him. And you'll remember better than me, but always brutally honest as a, as a captain you can't do that as a manager you you, you can't and it, sometimes you'd be too too emotional you'd be praising players with words that well even i knew that that's that's not realistic and he would throw them under the bus because it was just too emotive um and the, the, the incredible story of this title that's four wins away is in march 2020 just before corona hit, he, he was done he was toast. We knocked out the cup again. Um, miles behind Celtic after getting in a great position twice at New Year before we have a, a winter. We had a winter break, and we just collapsed. And here it was again. And he, uh, Mike, I, I wasn't calling for his head. I don't think many of our podders were. Some fans were because fans are emotive, but I did feel it's only going one way. Yeah, what he's done in that break. And that time to reset has been incredible. Our season this year has been incredible. One defeat, an annoying one in the cup, four league draws, undefeated in Europe, uh, one in a group. Um, something's dropped, or a few things, a few pennies have dropped, but you see him just far more composed, far more detached when he speaks. Um, and it's just this less emotive... Uh, up and down, flaky performance that we we, we sometimes saw, um, and I think that's been that's been huge. And um, so there you have a, a willingness to learn and a willingness to allow his staff to do their job. Michael Beale's role, for example, yeah, um, is really really important. And I think Gerard allows him the license to to do that job, and that's a big thing in management as well. Just knowing what your role is, and at a club at Liverpool similar to, to this, it's much wider, much wider than a particular selection, a particular formation in, in any given day. So obviously you just touched on there at the time of recording, four more wins and then obviously the title is yours. You know, as we're aware, Celtic have obviously gone on this insane run of winning the nine titles and, you know, seemingly it looks like Gerard and this Rangers team are going to put an end to that. You know, in, in your own words, then, how much of a massive achievement has this season been? And, like, how much of an, of an obsession has it been, do you think, for Gerard to just 
because I can I remember listening to a, a podcast that he did with Carragher, the greatest games, and he had Gerard on, and he asked him about you know Rangers and Celtic and Scottish football in general, and he says that how much of an obsession has it been to to get that title? And it wasn't even from the Rangers fan base. It was, you know, get us into Europe or anything. It was stop that. How much of a, how much of a massive achievement has then been? Um, yeah, it, listen, whoever won 55, but we are 55th title, um, what was always going to be legendary. We would have liked to stop the nine um, because it's, it's something that we share. Celtic have done it or had done it once. Rangers have done it once. Uh, you could say Celtic won eight and were awarded a ninth because that that, that season was not completed in, in very <laughs> dubious circumstances. But neither of have, have managed to, to get that 10. And what, again, when I was growing up, that was get the nine. Yeah. And, and listen, uh, Walter Smith, um, hugely successful Rangers manager, took on from, from Sunnis. Um, after winning that, that eighth title, we won a double. But he knew if he failed the next year, mm. all this would account for nothing. We yeah. had to match it. Once we matched it, right, let's hopefully do We just ran out of steam and it, it players too old grow together kind of thing. Um, so the 10 has been a, a big thing in Scotland. A huge thing for Celtic because their original one, ours in the 90s, it grew organically. People were only talking about it. Certainly ours were only talking about it once five was done and the rest of Scottish football being the way it is. You said, look, Rangers could match this year and could beat it. Once we went down to the bottom in 2012, um, Celtic fans have been talking about 10 from then yeah. because they saw a clear road to that. Rangers will be out of the picture for a while. Even when they come back, they'll still be rebuilding, restructuring. We have got this sewn up. Um, and the same's true. Let no one tell you any different. Um, for them to fail at this uh, renders everything that's gone before it um, not quite meaningless, but 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 close as because this was it. This was the, the whole thing. So clearly, that's how rivalry works, right? As much as we yeah. hate to admit it, it's it's a it's a double-edged um, sword. And yes, we needed to stop that. We, we needed to get fifty-five for our own thing. We needed to be back where we believe we belong, which is at the top of Scottish football. And if that knocked that out, um, that sequence out, then then uh, all the more. I think it's matched Gerard's own obsession, which I understand to be true, to win a title. Something famously that yeah. he, he never managed as a player and even more famously was, was kind of deemed to be complicit in, 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 in that, that particular failure in, in, in 14. Um, so I know that there's an absolute burning desire to do that um, uh, as a manager. So there's a marriage there, um, a marriage of obsessions. Um, and as I said, whenever that happened, it would be um, much venerated by the range of support. And every one of those players would be, would be heroes forever. But I still think this, the, the way this particular story has gone is one of the most remarkable in the club's history, just because 12 months ago, we looked miles away from it because there were there was, there was a, a failure there, um, and what they've done this summer and 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 get into this season has been uh, it's been ridiculous and um, that's the story. Uh, so yeah, a, a marriage of obsessions I think would be the the best way to describe it. Bit of a random one, but um, I'm quite interested in getting your thoughts on this. There's always a lot of talk, you know, of how the likes of Rangers and Celtic would would get on in the Premier League, you know. If, if the SPL filtered into into the English leagues, what's your sort of thoughts on that? And do you think that would be something good for Scottish football or not so much? 
My thoughts are that it's 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 purely academic. It's just the kind of thing that, that comes up in pub conversations, and um, it it was more than pub conversation once upon a time. Um, it was it was talked about in the early nineties, I think, semi seriously, but it's it's not. I don't think it's a thing um, anymore. Uh, if it did happen, it would benefit Rangers and Celtic for sure. Um, Scottish football would wither. I think I think it's fair to say, and without it's 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 only kind of money earners, it's only points of interest really. Uh, I mean, it, it is a thought experiment. It, it, it's just a, a kind of academic discussion. But Rangers Celtic huge club with big pool. We we just it's like we use a different currency up here. We 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 can't or we can no longer because of the way that the European game um, has developed that it's based on TV revenue, TV markets, and Scotland doesn't have the the, the same as yours. Um, Therefore, both Rangers and Celtic can't really maximise that potential in terms of the size of the club. That would obviously change um, in, in England. But the fan base would, for both would have to recalibrate a lot because Rangers' thing, for example, is success. That's No one's won a league title more than, than us, more trophies, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's it, We're a title-winning machine going back the, you know, the, the nearly 150 years. So... I think those expectations would be, would be interesting to see those kind of recalibrate because you, you could not expect to be the one of the, the two clubs fighting for, for the league title anymore. Staying up, I think, in, in those first few seasons would be uh, um, seen as a success. So that that would be um, different, but it's it's purely academic. It's not going to happen. That ship has has, has sailed. Um, I guess the way that European football is just looking to be structured, it's going to end up, isn't it, with, with kind of four, four leagues, really? Um, probably, and I, I can see the, I can see the draw to that. I can see the the, the logic, and it's about certainly from us making a stamp in, in in Europe again because well the world's getting smaller. So yeah, you you want to compete against better teams more regularly. Go back to that that point about atmosphere changing. You want that every week. Yeah. You want you want a contest that matters, yeah. not one that you it's a pretty much given before you even turn up. So obviously you produce content yourself through Hand and Heart podcast as well. And you also wrote a book, uh, The 50 Greatest Rangers Games too. Are both these sort of things something you've always wanted to do? Or, you know, how did you get into doing both of these things? Um, I always wanted to write a book from, I don't know, teenage years, I guess. Um, and certainly one on Rangers. Uh, the, the, the podcast came first. Uh, I mean, Heart and Hand's been going oh, nearly 10 years, over 10 years now. Um and I've, I've been a, a listener for, for that time. It made the move to, to Patreon in 2017, I think. And I you know subscribed and I was listening and they started releasing more shows on, on that basis because, you know, they could. And I was listening to a, a particular show on Rangers history and I had this acute mixed feelings of this is really good, this is right up my street, but also I could do that. And why am I not doing that? Um, and... David Edgar, the, the show's creator and um, boss, had put out a, a call for, for show ideas and I, I pitched him a couple and the rest is history. Um, my show, my main show, um, is about specific games um, and I speak to a fan that was there and we go back, um, revisit the game, maybe reassess the game. Was it as good as we remembered? Why didn't it lead to this? Why did it lead to that? What are your memories of it and experiences? We'll look at what's in the news and the charts and whatever else um so that that's that that's my that's my show so uh, 
I eventually thought the idea, well, I've done a lot of work on these. I wonder if we had a poll amongst the listeners, if they could vote for their their greatest Rangers games. What We get some good shows out of that, which we did one Christmas, um, running down the top 50, and I'll, I'll produce a book. And the publishers liked the idea, and away we went. So, yeah, um, it's out of date already, but it was I'm happy about that. It, it was only ever to be a, a kind of snapshot of history uh, at that that time of, of Rangers fans voting, which was the, the summer of 2019 as it happened. Um, and it's more about trying to understand why the resonance of, of some games, mm-hmm. uh, why some haven't made the list at all, why some way ahead, why some maybe unexpectedly lower on that list. And um, it was really, really interesting. A power of work, but um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm doing, I'm just starting work on my second now, um, which is looking at that that period of of my youth at 86 to, to 98 and um, reassessing how that period and, and try to explain how it happened the way the way that it did because we fool ourselves into thinking that success when you get these runs of of, of trophies that it, it's inevitable nothing's inevitable mm. um and and trying to understand why why it happened the way that it that it did fantastic so finally the podcast is centered around going the match so with every podcast we're doing, I want to end by asking, what are your top three favourite matches you've ever been to or seen? Uh, two Europeans in, a, in an old film. I think that's probably the, the, the best way to do it. Um, uh, Rangers played Marseille in a pre-season friendly at the start of 92-93, and they wiped the floor. It was only 2-1, but they were just a different class. So when we drew them in that first ever Champions League group, first ever match, first ever match of the Champions League, We'd beaten Leeds United to, to get there, of course, that, that famous Battle of Britain thing. Uh, and Marseille came to Ibrox. Um, filthy weather. It was horrendous. Um, Rangers, big injuries, as always, seem to be the case in, in, in European games. And they were 2-0 up after an hour. Um, just even in that pitch, moving the ball like nothing else. Um Deschamps and Bowley and, and Voller and Boxic, players just about to define the 90s, other players that just, you know, kind of come to the end, but it was just this incredible, Barthez was in goal, uh, Desai, um, brilliant team. And we were, we did not have a pulse. We were <laughs> out of it. Uh, Walt Smith made a change, put a young striker up front, but withdrew Ian Durant back into midfield where he should have been. Um, that young boy, Gary McSwiggan, scored this kind of looping floaty header to make it 2-1 and then Mark Cately scored an equaliser with 10 minutes to go and I don't think I'd been thrown about like that at a football match at 11 years old um, this notion of just going wild and, and, and hugging and kissing strangers and just seeing um, we were done and all of a sudden it's 2-2 and we could win this the class of Marseille, they didn't just retreat and retreat and try and hold out. They went back on the front foot and nearly won, but it finished 2-2. But my God, what what did, what did I just experience here? What was I part of as this kid? And leaving Ibrox, I think we're in this, you know. We could we could do this. We could get out of this group. We, we could go to the European Cup final. And, you know, it's a hope that kills you, but it's, it's a hope that keeps you going because you just never know. That'd be one... Um, Another Champions League, Champions League qualifier in 1999 against Parma. Um, what Rangers were to Scotland, Italian football was to Europe in the 90s. Sheer dominance. No question, no arguments. 
Um, just incredible. And that Parma team came to Ibrox with Buffon and uh, Turam and um, Cannavaro and um, Ortega. And, uh, they'd just beaten us the, the, the year before in the UEFA Cup. Um, and I'd, I'd gone to, to the, the away leg and we were in it. We were in it to half time. We're 1 0 up, but down to 10 men, their class showed. And we just wanted to get back into this Champions League under Dick Advocate as new manager. And to draw them was so disheartening. Just like, well, you're not going to do it. Beat them 2 0 at Ibrox again, just uh, and it could have been four. It was one of those. Um, and just the pride, I guess. The Marseille thing was a dig in and it was luck and it was just one of those wild, wonderful nights. But this was a genuine, grown up European performance. And for all the success Rangers had in the 90s, so many European embarrassments. Yeah. And all this pride restored. We saw out. We, we lost 1-0 in Italy, but we, we went through. But to beat a team like that, um, I can pick numerous old firms. Um, I, my dad went to the, the time we won the league at, at Parkhead. There was only one ticket available and he was not for giving that up. So uh, <laughs> I didn't go to that one. But uh, that nine in a row season was utter claustrophobia. Um, it, it wasn't enjoyable overall. Of course, we, we, we got the job done, but it really was tense and... All four old firm games were were like that. But the first one at Parkhead in the November 2nd old firm game of the, the season, for the first time in my life, really, you're going there and, and Celtic were at the top of the league and that wasn't really a thing. Um, we would set the pace and, you know, they would they would try and challenge, but we were always just that bit ahead. But if they won that, you know, there, there's a lead now, you know. Um, and it was the most breathless game of football I've ever seen. It was 1-0, Rangers won. Brian Loudrup scored in, I don't know, 16 minutes. Um, a shot when no one else would have shot from there. It would take it a bit further and, you know, it was a breakaway and, you know, you'll, you'll have an easier shot. It was just one of those first-time things. It was an incredible goal. But the end-to-end stuff, this was when Sky still covered it with respect. Um, Andy Gray and Martin Tyler were, were the commentators at the game, which was still a big thing in those days. Yeah. Um, and the, the director missed chances. I mean, he couldn't show replays of chances because the action just wasn't stopping. Mm. Um, it was really end-to-end. Andy Gorham was superb. Um, Gascoigne missed a penalty to, to put it out of bed. Um, Peter Van Vossen, the, 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 the Dutch um, player from Ajax, missed the easiest the easiest chance. You think Ronnie Rosenthal hitting the bar was, was a, a terrible <laughs> miss. This was three yards most look at them on YouTube, awful. Uh, and Rangers should have won 3 or 4-0 and hadn't. And you're, this was the first time I'd been to this new refurbished parkhead. So you're up in the gods, there's fewer of you than normal, it's really loud. Hanging on to this 1-0 lead and then Richard Goff goes clattering into Simon Donnelly with five minutes to go, it's a penalty to Celtic. And you, that win just kind of been taken away from you. Gorham saves, celebrating even more wildly than the goal. Um, I think it was a fox that ran on the park because we got a breather there. But it was just, it wasn't until we'd been out of the, the league and obviously we hadn't really had that much old firm experience for a while and that, that semi-final that we, we won on penalties. And I'm trying to think to myself, how did we survive doing this four times a season? How, how do people get out of these games um, still in one piece? Because you just put your, your, your soul and your body through so much just, yeah. just tension, just you, you get... Tightened you up all the way through that. 90 minutes seems like four hours. Um, but to go at the lines then to win, 
and to walk away, but still such an enjoyable game of football. I'd, I'd, I'd put that in because, and I think it was the first one I'd gone to just with a friend, not, not with my dad. So I, I didn't have to watch my P's and Q's and, and, and behave. Um, it was, uh, you felt again, just this next stage of development as a, a young boy that you could just be absolutely wild through it. It was, yeah. Um, but I could pick from so many. We're, we're both lucky to, to have so many of those experiences in the bank. Definitely. So I think that's a fantastic way to finish the podcast there, mate. So just before you go, just a massive thank you for giving me your time and coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, mate. All the best. If you enjoyed that episode and want to keep notified for future episodes, please make sure you subscribe, follow and share. And of course, leave us a five-star rating. You can now follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all at Go In The Match to keep updated for future episodes and updates on the podcast.